I'm about to play for you an interview that I conducted yesterday with Andrea Bell. Andrea Bell is one of the curators for Sisters Communing, which is currently showing at the Hocken Collections. Um, Sisters Communing is closing on the 20th of October, so you've still got a few weeks to go along to that uh, and have a look. It's just in the upstairs section of the Hocken Libraries. You just have to put your bags in the little lockers, and then you can go upstairs and look through the exhibit. A lovely gallery space as well in there. I know it can be quite out of the way for some people, but it's definitely worth going along to have a look. Uh, this exhibit was also curated by Robin Notman, but unfortunately she was very ill yesterday and couldn't join us, so it's just Andrea and I. Um, speaking about sisters communing. This is a response to 125 years of women's suffrage. So without further ado, Andrea Bell. Alright, I'm joined by Andrea Bell, who is a curator of art at the Hocken Collections, and at the moment Sisters Communing is showing until the 3rd of November, is that correct? Actually, until the 20th of <gasps> October, I'm sorry to oh, no, that's okay. inform you, we actually have to close this show a little early, um, just due to some much-needed gallery maintenance, Fair enough. which was Fair too enough. good an opportunity to not um, undertake so yeah 20th of October 20th of October okay mm -hmm. you've only got a limited amount of time yeah, to go in and see it before <laughs> it closes could you just tell us a little bit about the premise behind Sisters Community? Yeah sure so um, last year uh, the Hocken librarian Sharon Dell asked um, my manager and myself um, so my manager Robin Notman who unfortunately can't yeah, join us today yeah, so unfortunate. head curator of uh, pictorial collections um, so Sharon asked Robin and I to work on a show to commemorate 125 years um, since women got the vote in New Zealand, but um, also keeping in mind that we're the curators of art, we kind of approached it through an artistic lens mm -hmm. as opposed to doing a social history kind of exhibition. So um, we wanted to respond, um, especially thinking about the important role that women of Otago played in pursuing suffrage, because um, I think it was just over 7,000, maybe 7,451 <laughs> women. <laughs> Very specific, <laughs> Something yeah. like that. <laughs> women in Otago signed the, the 1893 petition, mm. um, which was the largest um, group um, of women in any particular wow. region in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, so we had, obviously at the Hocken, we have quite a focus on the Otago Southland region. Um, so we wanted to reflect that um, through our selections of artists and um, women who we kind of wanted to focus on or profile as well throughout mm. the exhibition. Yeah, what did that curatorial <coughs> process look like? Because there are quite a few pieces that are in that gallery yeah. at the moment. So there's actually um, the work of 32 women artists in wow. the show, yeah. plus a whole bunch of archival material as well. Um, and the selection process, yeah, because as well Robin and I just started <clears throat> Excuse me, at the Hocken last year as well. We're still kind of getting familiar with the collection, and there's over hmm, 17,000 artworks <laughs> in the collection. <laughs> but this was quite a great um, opportunity to explore the collection um, by focusing on women artists because, you know, usually when you curate a show, you have quite a set idea of the concept and um, kind of what specific works and specific artists you want to include. But this was quite a bit of exciting opportunity to kind of expand on that because the brief was quite open in a way mm. as well as being focused on suffrage it was also 
what are some great women artists that we want to showcase? <laughs> yeah, I was. I went in yesterday to have a look. Oh, um, cool. I had a wee look in the logbook as I was actually entering the exhibit, and I saw someone left a comment that said, "I was a sister communing." Have you? Have you had many uh, members of the public kind of approach you and tell you about their experiences during this time? Um, actually, because it's only been open a week, not so much yet. Not yet, but um. We are going to be doing a few targeted tours to like the University Women's Caucus Group and various multicultural women's art groups and things. Mm. So it'll be interesting to get people's and different perspectives on the topic. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Was it at all a challenge to incorporate that really diverse range of perspectives of women's suffrage? Because of course, not every woman mm. was on an equal playing field exactly. at that time. So, yeah. in terms of incorporating like Maori and Pacifica women as yeah. well, and different ethnic minorities, was that difficult during that curatorial process? Yeah, and because we wanted to curate the show purely based on what's available in the Hawkins collection. Mm. Um, yeah, we were kind of working with what we, what we had. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we wanted to um, include, for example, um, we've got a photograph by Yuki Kahara, mm, um, yeah, which that. is um, a great one. Just bear with me a moment. I did yeah, no, no, no worries. some notes about that one. No worries. There are so, <laughs> so many pieces in there as well. Um, yeah, here we go. So, um, for her work, the work is called Roman Catholic Church Up Here 2013. Uh, she's developed a persona called Salome, um, who often appears in her work, and that's named after the biblical figure Salome, who influenced politics through dance and sexuality. Mm-hmm. And um, in the photograph, she's dressed in these kind of constricting Victorian clothes, a big flowing dress, and gazing out to the sea. Um, and the ruined interior of this um, Roman Catholic church in Apia following the devastating cyclone Evan, I think it was, in Mm. 2012. And so she's kind of uh, inviting us to uh, consider the effects of colonialism on Samoan culture, but also we wanted to include Yuki because she describes herself as a whāafine, a person with within Indigenous um, Samoan society who does in the manner of a woman, Mm. um, loosely translated, obviously, as being transgender in a Western context. So we've got her sort of representing (laughs) um, Fafine, and then we also have um, other artists such as Robin Kahukiwa, Lonnie Hutchinson. Um, There's a photograph of Fetu Terakatani Sullivan. It's beautiful, yeah. Which is a great piece. It's really interesting. There's also an exhibit on at the moment at Blue Oyster Art Project Space titled uh, Waumua, who um, Matilia Ture took that photograph and created another piece of art out of that called Whakanifa, I think. Yeah, Yeah, it's um, a beautiful response. Yeah, so there's some lovely responses going on there as well. Mm. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you short. Not at all, not at all. I don't know if you've seen on Māori TV, there's been a series called Artifact recently, mm. and um, Dame Anne Salmond kind of is the host. Anyway, they just recently um, did a episode that was featuring kind of um, weaving and different um, ways that clothing has been used um as a piece of taonga, mm. and um, Fetu Terakatani Sullivan features on this wow. um, yeah. program. And yeah, so just for anyone who's not familiar with who she was, she was born in 1932 and she died in 2011, and she was a New Zealand politician of Ngāi descent, and she was the first woman Māori cabinet minister. She was an MP from 
1967 to 1996, representing the Labour Party, and at the time of her retirement she was the second longest serving MP in Parliament, I think she had 10 terms in office, and she was also the first New Zealand woman to give birth whilst an MP. Mm. They always say, whilst in office, which I always think sounds wrong. <laughs> yeah, like she gave birth she gave in the right office. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she was known for her beautiful clothing as well, yeah. right? She designed her own clothing. Yeah. Um, and the um, tiny core patterns on the clothing in that photograph, that's mm. what Matilda really honed in on this, when she was yeah. creating her piece. And she's created a piece that acts as um, like a fuck like papa. A yeah. Yeah, of, of Maori woman MPs. So that's really interesting, those mm. two conversations that are happening being held um, at the same time as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But yeah, fantastic. Yeah, you did manage to get a really great broad range of perspectives in there, despite the, it might have been challenging at the time. Yeah, Um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, could, I mean, having those two um, exhibits on at the same time, what do you think are, you know, the pros and cons, perhaps, of having the two parallel exhibits? With Blue Oyster. Yeah, with Blue Oyster as well. I can't think of any cons. (laughs) (laughs) It's all pros. Yeah. I think, I mean, it was a great opportunity for us to um, collaborate with Blue Oyster, and we're always looking to kind of engage with um, younger artists and contemporary artists mm. to um, respond to the collection because you know it's not just a closed off um, time capsule <laughs> it's important to keep the collection kind of living and breathing and so by inviting artists to respond to works I think it's a win-win for everyone, really. Yeah, fantastic. And it was really great to see at Blue Oyster that they weren't really necessarily literal um, responses. Often they were quite open-ended. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Um, and some of those pieces of archival material, um, and you can see them, um, they're spread out in glass cases in yeah. the middle of the exhibit. Could you tell us about a few of those pieces? Because yeah. some of them are really quite interesting. Yeah, for sure. So... Um, they are more of a um, literal response to suffrage from our perspective in the show. So, for example, um, we've got a little newspaper clipping about a woman named Elizabeth McCombs, who um, was from Littleton, and she was the first female MP um, 40 years after women received the right to vote. So that was in 1933. Mm. And she advocated for women's issues such as equal pay and... Um, then we also have some quite cheeky political cartoons yeah. <laughs> of um, the first female prime minister and only woman to ever have been um, the leader of the National Party, Jenny Shipley, of course, who was in power from 97 to 99, and um, New Zealand's first elected female prime minister, Helen Clark, from 1999 to 2008. And next to those, we um, because we kind of also wanted to treat the cases as a bit of a collage um, coming from kind of artistic backgrounds. Um, We've placed next to it a work by Jacqueline Fraser, um, which is actually a hairnet kind of collage, (laughs) which is kind of oddly (laughs) shaped, but kind of echoes the um, the shape of Jenny Shipley's hair, which also looks kind of strangely (laughs) Trump-like. Very much so, yeah. (laughs) So that's just a kind of 
bit of fun to add into the case. But um, we also have material, um, a book called Arno Dominique, Dominique, sorry, 2000, or Woman's Destiny, which was published back in 1889. Um, and it was by written by Julius Vogel, you know, Vogel Street, mm. the Premier of New Zealand, <laughs> from 1873 to 1875. And I think he was also in, um, the Premier in 1876. But he actually introduced the first Women's Suffrage Bill to Parliament um, in 1887, although, of course, suffrage wasn't granted until 1893. But mm. in his book, um, which is regarded as New Zealand's first science fiction novel, <laughs> um, <laughs> he is kind of anticipating this utopian world where women held positions of authority and power. And you could say some of his predictions came true mm. with you know women going on to um, gain the vote, become MPs, become the Prime Minister... <laughs> So, yeah, that was kind of an interesting forward-thinking Yeah, um, wow, text. fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, what else have we got? We've got... So, so those famous um, murderous trading yeah, cards. Yeah, just a bit of fun, really. Yeah, just a wee bit, bit of fun. Yeah, because also it's interesting, you know, thinking about when women were granted the vote initially in 1893. I think a lot of the... Um, reasoning that was put forward was that women were kind of more morally superior to men and that they would <laughs> they would vote more ethically and mm. maybe we'd have more balanced um, society. I'm not really sure, but of course women just ended up voting kind of according to their class and maybe similar to their husbands. Yeah, you know, like it's kind yeah. of um, not that drastically different in some ways, but our voting habits, I guess. Mm. But, you know, maybe, maybe that's what Chris Lane, the author of the trading cards is thinking, you know, you're not Very all Very interesting women. take. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> you also had um, something as recent as the front cover of the ODT yeah. when Jacinda gave birth to her little baby Neve. Yeah. Um, how did you cre create that cohesive timeline of that mm. 125 years? I mean, we just kind of wanted to pick out some key moments, really. Mm. So, as I mentioned before, we had Jenny Shipley and Helen Clark and then... Next, obviously, Jacinda, but um, yeah, and also wanting to put those in proximity to Julius Vogel's book, we were just kind of, yeah, as I mentioned, just picking out a few key ones there, but also in another case opposite, mm. we included a book of the history of New Zealand women, which um, features the text on leaders of the Kotahitanga um, women's movement, so that included Akanehi Tomuana and Mere Tatai Mangakahia, and they were active in the Māori Parliament in the 1890s and 1900s. Mm. And Mere Tatai Mangakahia, um, especially, she campaigned for women's suffrage, and she uh, requested that Māori women not only be given the vote, but that they be eligible to sit in the Māori Parliament, um, which was going a step further than the aims of the European suffrage movement. And she argued on the grounds that many women owned and administered their own lands, of mm, course. Yeah, of course. Either because they had no male relatives or because they were more competent, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And so we've talked a wee bit about the archival material, which is in the centre mm. of the room, but of course the artwork surrounding those glass cases. Yeah. Some of the works, I mean, there's some self-portraits, there's landscapes, there's still lifes. How did you pick those pieces to be part of this, this suffrage exhibit? Yeah, I mean, in a sense it is essentially um, celebrating women's artistic achievements. Mm. It's quite broad. Um, but also, you know, we wanted to um, showcase the diversity of women's practice and 
not just pigeonhole them to making work only about women's issues and identity politics either. Mm. So that's why we have kind of such a range of works on display. Yeah. But also I should mention that the title piece for the show, Sisters Communing, yeah, is yeah. named after a great painting by Jacqueline um, Fahey from 1974, which um, depicts her two sisters commuting. <laughs> and <laughs> that's, um, their names were Barbara and Cecil. And um, this is, yeah, like the heroine image for the show. Mm. And, um, and it's up there in the show as well for people to see, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's kind of it's interesting because it's kind of a depiction of these middle class women <laughs> at home, and um, smoking and drinking, mm. which is also kind of a little bit um, controversial when you think of the Women's Christian Temperance um, Union and mm. their um, prohibition views. Um, <laughs> but we've got them there, and they're um, hanging out at home, and there's a child playing with a toy and um, we thought about it as kind of like what could be described as this quiet suburban reckoning that was happening um, taking place in the 1970s of um, households where women were um, you know thinking about feminism and um, something that we thought was great about Jacqueline Fahey's work is that other artists were kind of looking at abstraction or the landscape but she was kind of staunchly um, dedicated to picturing domesticity and the socio-political strains within mm. households. Um, she didn't really censor anything out, did she? She no, painted it as it was. Right. Yeah. Nothing's really edited. It's very messy, <laughs> dishevelled. Yeah. Don't have to worry about being a good housewife. <laughs> yeah. Are there any pieces in the exhibit that really affect you personally? Um, I mean, that one was a really a favourite image. Yeah. Um, I think, like, it's not necessarily specifically aligned with suffrage, but there's a really powerful work for me by mm. Joanna Margaret Paul, mm -hmm. which is called um, House C. And um, it's a diptych work. It's two um, <coughs> really long paintings. And um, it's, it's painted at Seacliff, where she was living, I think, with Geoffrey Harris at the time. And... It's just a really amazing work. So she was a Frances Hodgkins Fellow in mm. 1983. We do have a lot of Joanna Margaret Paul's works, but they're often um, quite discreet, subtle works with pencil and paper or wash or watercolour. But this one is a really kind of bold, strong piece. And I was just like, wow. And I'd seen it only ever before and now pictures racks right yeah and on separate racks and not together and we don't really have a space so we can lay things out except for the gallery mm. so when we put it up it was just kind of quite a bold statement mm. yeah oh wonderful were there yeah. any stories of suffrage that were passed down your family at all well funny you should ask yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um my stepmom was related to anna stout and we have some Badges by Anna Stout, so she was a suffragist and a suffragette. So mm. just to distinguish between the two, the suffragists were more active in New Zealand, whereas the suffragettes um, in the UK were the more kind of militant radicals. Yeah. <laughs> so um, in the um, in the display in one of the cases, we have a whole lot of suffragette badges um, that were from the UK, and also some correspondence with. Anna Stout and other women in the UK kind of thanking her for her efforts because essentially a lot of women from New Zealand went around and kind of showed them how it's done <laughs> to kind of say, you know, we've got yeah. it first, we've got the right to vote first and 
here's what you can do sort of thing. So oh, that's so lovely. Connection. Oh, that's <laughs> wonderful. Um, and are there any other Suffrage 125 events going on in the Dunedin area that you know about? Yeah, so um, of course we had um, Blue Oyster, which is on at the moment, mm-hmm. and then at Toitu as well there's a social history show, um, which is a great one too. Um, at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery, I think they've got like a a guide which is more focused on like um, a trail of walking around the gallery and it kind of features key works okay. by women artists. Yeah. Just trying to think if you yeah. come across any others. I think there might be some sort of bike ride happening oh, on the 7th like of October. Yeah, 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 there are some other events. I think there is an embroidery event going on at the Women's Settlers Hall yes. um, in early Pioneers. October. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's also the um, Intersectional Feminism Show. At Jeff's, that's at right. All Bell Chambers. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah. actually just moved. So it was the first um, iteration of that was at Jeff's, and mm-hmm. now it's down at... South Dunedin at the Margaret oh. Freeman Gallery yeah. Studio yeah, yeah. 2. Oh, yeah. cool. So okay, I had no idea. The other day. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and that um, Blue Oyster exhibit is closing very, very soon. I think it's closing this week, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think they might have just extended it. Oh, that's cool. But I'm not sure cool. of the actual end date. I think they've got another week or two out there. Great, okay. So that's a good one. Yeah, you've still, still got a bit of time to go yeah. along to that if you want to get involved. I also know that if you go um, onto the Ministry for Women's website, they have a whole list of all yeah. the events that are going on for Suffrage 125. Yeah, you can filter great. it by region. So if you're not in Dunedin and you're listening to this at the moment, there will be something going on in your area. Andrea Bell, thank you so much for joining me today to Thanks, talk about Stephanie. Sisters Communing. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> That was Andrea Bell, as I just said, speaking about Sisters Communing, showing at the Hocken until the 20th of October. As you might have heard, there's a little bit of confusion there at the end, but the Blue Oyster exhibit has been extended by a week, um, and the Hocken collection exhibit was uh, trimmed down by a couple of weeks, so you need to get in before the 20th of October. You might see somewhere that um, it ends on the 3rd of November, but it's not ending then anymore. It's ending on the 20th, so that uh, some of that gallery space can have a wee bit of an wee bit of an upgrade wee bit of a paint job wee bit of a, wee bit of a yeah it, ne- it needs a little bit if you if you go into the hockey you might say that it needs a few more coats of paint needs something something done up there but um, there will be a wonderful exhibit coming um, out after the suffrage 125 exhibit uh, in that new, well not new but the um, done up gallery space which will be an opportunity for the public to see what's been done up there if you have